Today we're going to finish up our study in Zephaniah chapter 3. And I've entitled this lesson, A Wicked Nation, The Finale. A wicked nation full of sin, a wicked nation full of strife, a wicked nation looking for nothing righteous, a wicked nation that will soon find new life. Isn't it beautiful that we can come to a conclusion in, in this letter of Zephaniah the prophet and, and find out that there is a better day waiting? Listen to what the words of Zephaniah say. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God in your midst, the Mighty One, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly, who are among you, to whom its reproach is a burden. Behold, at that time I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame. And gather those who were driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame. In every land where they were put to shame, at that time I will bring you back. Even at the time I gather you, for I will give you fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. We've looked at some major talk here from God through Zephaniah to those children there. We've looked at verses 1-7 through seven being a point to stop where Zephaniah talks to the children there. He talks to the people of Judah, the, the, the ones that were living their lives day by day, and he says, stop. And then last week we looked at verses 8-13. through 13. A faithful remnant is what it's called. A faithful remnant of what it used to be. And God through Zephaniah is saying, look, look at where you're at. Now today we get to a point that is a joyous occasion. And my Bible is headed up as joy in God's faithfulness. That finale, that last chapter, the last verses in the prophet Zephaniah. Listen. Listen to what God has to say. And I think if we will focus on those thoughts today, we're going to get more from this lesson than I could even bring you. Stop, look, and listen. In verse 14, it says, Sing, O daughter of Israel, or Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. You know, when we sing it, we had a, we had a fifth Sunday singing. When we sing, we, we, we see gladness in our hearts. I think when I look at that verse there, I can also use that as proof evidence that singing is something that God wants us to do. But I want you to look a little deeper. In Isaiah chapter 12, verse 6, it says, Cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. You see, this singing here that's talked about, this singing and shouting, it's a joyous occasion. It's a, it's a, it's a part that we use to announce victory. You know, if you think about that, when we, when we triumph, when we are in, at our high, don't we want to sing and shout and tell the world? And that's what's happening here. As Zephaniah says, Sing, O daughter of Zion. Rejoice! Celebrate! It's a time that we're coming back together. We've triumphed. Choose to announce great things. You know, I can't help but think about Luke chapter 15. The story of the prodigal son there, if you want to turn with me there, let's, let's kind of glance through that quickly. Our study is not there this morning, but I do want to 
set our minds and focus there in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. Of course, we know the word prodigal. A lot of people think that that means lost, but it really means wasteful. It means someone who took what, what he had and, and, and didn't use it properly, if you will. But look in verse 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that, fails, that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough in despair, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. You see, this man just wanted something to eat. Verse 20, And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to, the, to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field and as he came through, watch this, near to the house he heard music and dancing. Now that music I would, I would say to you is singing. Joyful singing. He saw these things. And he called one of the servants and said, What do these things mean? And he said to him, Your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. You see, when I look at what happens there, when, when Zephaniah told these people to sing and shout, I can't help but see the happiness that the father had in the story that Christ told about the prodigal son can't help but see it. So why are they having this celebration? You know, James 5 and 13, we've, I've quoted many times about singing. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. And that's what they were doing. That's what they were told to do. So why this celebration? Why do you think about it? God has put them in their place, if you will. He said, stop. Look. Listen. It's very easy to see in verse 15. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. You see, that's point number two. Hallelujah. Praise Jehovah God. Their sins, their judgment, those things that they had done against God had been cleared. God had wiped them all away. They were gone. 
Every single thing that, that, that God placed against them in judgment through verses 1 through, through 7. And then again in 8 through 13. When He told them, stop and look at what you're doing. He's wiped away. What a day of celebration. What a day of rejoicing. Think about how serious that statement is. The Lord has taken away your judgments. Now think about what we would deem, and I know I preached on this a while back, what's the worst sin? Think about the worst thing you may feel like that you've ever done in your entire life and all of a sudden it's gone. It's just gone. He goes on to say the enemy has been cast out. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't that be great? Who's our biggest enemy? We know it's Satan. What if God told us today, your enemy's gone, Satan is gone. Wouldn't we want to sing and jump up and down and rejoice and praise and be joyful? I would. Because you know Satan is tearing us down. He's tearing us down every single day. God says He cast out that enemy. Imagine what it would be like if we did not have to fight those enemies day by day. And we know of course that this may be talking about more so of the wars and battles that they had to fight to get to the point that they were. But you know, they had an internal battle going on as well. And they had enemies fighting in their, in their minds and their souls just like we do. Those enemies of Satan. Those enemies that, that are Satan. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 7 says, The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way, watch this, and flee before you seven ways. God takes care of His people. God takes care of those who obey Him. It also says there in verse 15 that the king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. Now that king of Israel, I have a reference point in my Bible that leads me back to a point that is, that is talking about the king of Israel being Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1 when Nathaniel spoke. But you know when you think about that, with Christ all things are possible. With God all things are possible. Imagine if, we ever, if, if every single time we had to decide something, whether it be good or bad, Every single time that we had to make a decision in our life, we were able to maybe look over beside us and say, God, what, what would you want me to do? What would you want me to do? Well, we kind of have that in the Bible. We have that in the Word of God. And we know that God is our guide. And God is in our midst as well, if we allow Him to be. But that's what the Bible says there, that God, or the King of Israel at this point, the Lord is in your midst. He's there with you. I don't know how much more powerful that statement can get. What do you think, God? What should I do? He's right there with them. Revelation chapter 7, verse 15, Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. You see, He's right there in their presence. And I would contest that He's right here in our presence today as well. It says there will be disaster no more. Think about that. Now, if we, if we never had disaster anymore in our lives, now, and we know that's not going to happen more than likely. <laughs> we know that, that, that our lives are filled with disaster. But I think of Jeremiah chapter 44. The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews who dwell in the land of Egypt, who dwell in Migdal and, and Taphanes and at Noph and, and in the country of Pathros, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, You have seen all the calamity that I have brought on Jerusalem and on all the cities of Judah. And behold, this day... They are a desolation and no one dwells in them. You see, God brought destruction to those areas. God brought this, this, this wrath, if you will, and destroyed some of the things that they knew. But he says there in our text that there will be no more disaster. 
There'll be no more disaster destroying those things. No more. Verse 16, it picks up there and talks about it a little bit more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, He will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly, who are among you, to whom its approach is a burden. Behold, at that time I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame and gather those who were driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. You see, when we look at this, we see that God is once again listed in their midst. When He is there among them, they're told not to fear. Hebrews 12, 12 says, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And you know, folks, when we, when we think about the Lord our God, when we think about Jehovah God, when we think about His presence in us, when we think about that we put on Christ, we shouldn't fear. We shouldn't tremble. We should be strong. We should be bold. We should be willing to, to stand up and, and take that fight against the devil and against the world. The Bible says, Gather those who sorrow. In Lamentations 2 and verse 6, He has done violence to His tabernacle. As if it were a garden, He has destroyed His place of assembly. The Lord has caused the appointed feast and Sabbath to be forgotten in Zion. In His burning indignation, He has spurned the king and the priest. Gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly. I can't even understand that. I can't imagine being sorrowful assembling around God. But there were those that were. He says He's going to save the lame. In that day, says the Lord, I will assemble the lame, I will gather the outcast, and those whom I have afflicted. That's in Micah chapter 4, verse 6. I will make, a lame, a rem, make the lame a remnant and the outcast a strong nation. So the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on, even forever. Verse 7, Micah chapter 4. You see, God is there. He's there for those who are willing to be there for Him. But you know the most beautiful part of this passage comes up in the next verse. The very last verse of the chapter. At that time, I will bring you back. Even at the time I gather you, for I will give you fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I return your captives before your eyes. What a glorious thought, isn't it? What a glorious thought that He's going to go back and, and, and bring these people back to Himself. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 12 says, He will set up a banner for all the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together to disperse from Judah from the four corners of the earth. Wow. Ezekiel chapter 28, Thus says the Lord God, When I have gathered the house of Israel from the people among whom they are scattered and am hallowed in them in the sight of the Gentiles, then they will dwell in their own land, which I gave to my servant Jacob. And then in Amos chapter 9, verse 14, I will bring back the captives of my people, Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They also shall make gardens and eat fruit from them. You see, the point is that God wanted His people back. This study of Zephaniah has been a very deep study for me because when it starts out, 
And when we look back at the first seven verses, especially verse two there, and I'm going to recap that one more time for us. She has not obeyed his voice. She has not received correction. She has not trusted in the Lord. She has not drawn near to her God. When you look at those verses and you see that they just left God. That's all they've done. I mentioned a few weeks ago in this in the lesson on that point, in the in the first part of this lesson. These people were not people that were known as murderers, so to speak. They weren't people that were that were all adulterers. They weren't all liars. They weren't all idolaters. They were just everyday people. But they turned away from God. Take heart to verse 2. She listened not. She heard not. She obeyed not. And she trusted not. Sometimes I think we can get in that same boat. We can jump in that boat with them. We've read about a nation that was once extremely faithful to God at one time. They became a nation that was not walking with God, yet they weren't the folks that we would think about being in this shape. We, wouldn't, we, don't, we don't think about these people. You know, When we talk about the, 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 the people of Jerusalem, we don't think of, of a wicked nation right, right off in our own minds. But our subjects were simply living their lives doing things that they thought were what they wanted to do, but they left God behind. What were they told? They were told to stop. Then God reached out to them. They're called a remnant of what they once were. God says through Zephaniah that He would cleanse them and bring them back to the people that they should be. Verses 8 through 13. He calls them that faithful remnant that you are what you once were. He tells them to look and where they are today. Look at where you are. Look at your life. Then as we've seen today in our finale, as we come towards the end of the chapter, we can learn so much from what God tells His people there. He tells them to listen. Listen. He tells them of the glorious return. He tells them of their bliss that they will have in their repentance. Think about that. Their sin's no more. Their enemy's gone. Their lives, well... You know, back to living for God. Back to living with God. What a joyous day that was for that nation. The nation that stopped, looked, and listened. I pray that we are like that today. That we will stop, look, and listen to what God has to tell us. If we're not ready to do that, I don't think that we can find the words of the Bible to be encouraging to us. Are we ready to stop that life that leads to destruction? Are we ready to look into God, our Father, and the redemptive power of Christ's shed blood, the propitiation of our sins? Are we ready to listen to the wondrous joys of being a child of God? And we've had them explained to us right there. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel. Be happy. Rejoice. Once a sinner, once succumbed to the enemy, once in desperation, looking for salvation, are we ready to simply stop, look, and listen? That's all we have to do. God is near. He is ever near. He's in our midst today and He is calling His children home, much like that remnant of Israel. When He called them home, God says today, won't you come home? He says today, won't you be baptized for the remission of your sins? You know, the Bible clearly tells us that. When we, when we stop, look, and listen, the Bible tells us that we must be washed by the blood of the Lamb. And the only way to do that is to be baptized for the remission of sins in the name of Jesus Christ. 
That's the only way. That's the only way we can come in contact with the blood of Christ is through baptism. The Bible clearly tells us that. Salvation is waiting for you. If you've not become a baptized Christian, I beg of you to stop, look, and listen. The book closes out with a statement that I will conclude with as well in my own thoughts. It says the Lord. It's the last three words in the New King James Version. It says the Lord. And the Lord has told us what He wants us to do. The Lord is inviting you to come home today. He's inviting you to come. If you've left Him, if you've not been the faithful remnant that we should be in the church, if you've been a baptized Christian, yet you've fallen away and you've sinned because sin separates us from God, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But you know what? God is there. He's ready to rejoice with us. The saints that are here at Elkins are ready to rejoice with you as well. There are things in our lives that cause us to sin daily, hourly sometimes. There are things in our lives that we allow us to, to, to put us between God and man. To, to put us between that point where, where we, we, we aren't showing the love that we should for our fellow man and for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Friends, that's not right. Today, why don't you look at this text with me and why don't you consider in your heart stopping, looking, and listening. And if you need to respond, why don't you come? We'll stand. We'll stand. One step at a time.